0: It's chris brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Look oh, at nice the powerful you? questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet
1: Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Greetings and salutations, my friends. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Chris Van Vliet Show. That's me. I'm Chris Van Vliet, and ever since Double or Nothing, Luchasaurus has been one of my most requested interviews that you guys have been tweeting me, DMing me on Instagram, or commenting on YouTube. You asked, and I listened, and here's how it came together. When I interviewed Jungle Boy in Los Angeles a few weeks ago, Luchasaurus actually started following me on Twitter because of it, so I followed him back. Then he DM'd me a couple hours later and said, Hey, I live in LA since you're here in LA for this jungle boy interview. We can do an interview too. I didn't have time on that trip. I wish I did, but I didn't have time. I was in LA for like 24 hours and I interviewed Batista, Kelly, Kelly, Eli Drake and jungle boy. But I said to Luchasaurus, we will make this happen in the next month or so. We'll figure it out. And boom, we made it happen at his hotel right before fighter fest in Daytona. And What an awesome guy. Really, really enjoyed this. By the way, thank you to everyone who's been leaving these five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I said it in the last episode, but I'm going to read one on every episode as a a little thank you, as a little shout-out to that person, and also to encourage you, hint, hint, to leave one so you can be part of this show too. JJP03 writes, Woo! As the title. You know that you can never just say woo, right? It's always woo! This is one of the hardest working dudes in the industry. So proud of how far he's come. Praying the ceiling continues to grow. Keep it up, CVV. Well, thank you, JJP03. Um, And you know that I have no plans on stopping, and we're only going to be growing. So uh, thank you so much for the kind words. Now, before we get to the interview with the masked wrestling dinosaur... Uh, yes, who did wear the mask the entire time. Check it out on our YouTube channel if you haven't seen it yet. The Chris Van Fleet Show is brought to you, as always, by Green Roads. And I'm sure you've heard a lot about CBD oil. And yeah, for me, it's been as good as everyone says. Green Roads has the best ingredients. That's who I go with because they're a pharmacist-founded company that's focused on making the lives of their customers better. Their CBD oil, gummies, tea, cream, capsules, all their products are the real deal. They even have CBD oil for pets. Use my code CHRIS15 to get 15% off your order of CBD products at greenroadsworld.com. CHRIS15 for, yeah, 15% off at greenroadsworld.com. The CVV show also being podcasted into your ears right now thanks to Samson Technologies. They've got great affordable audio solutions at samsontech.com. And speaking of audio, I plugged these amazing Samson mics that I'm using right now into a recorder made by Tascam, a different company, to have some really crisp audio for this interview with Luchasaurus. And the damn thing shut off halfway through the interview and then wouldn't turn back on. I turned the on button on. And the screen just goes black every single time. Task cam, More like trash cam. So what you're hearing in this interview with Luchasaurus is audio straight from the camera. It's a little different from having the mics. Still sounds pretty great. And an incredible conversation with an incredible guy. Did you know that he has a master's degree? <laughs> Please enjoy it. It's my chat with Luchasaurus. <laughs> Seeing this in person is pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> the green tongue, the mask, everything. Yeah, you know, this is my interview mask. Oh, so there's different masks you have? There's multiple masks, yes. Okay, so this one allows you to
0: talk. Well, they all let me talk because I have a master's degree, but that's aside the, size of the
1: <laughs> I point. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could only say that with glasses on. Oh, of course they're, they're here. here. They're here. <laughs> master's degree. Yeah, okay. <laughs> It's actually pretty crazy what your master's degree is in.
0: Yeah, right? Medieval literature? (laughs) Well, technically I'm a historian, so it's a history degree. And then I did a history graduate degree. But I specialized in 12th century medieval literature, specifically the Arthurian romances.
1: Wow, yeah. Yeah. okay, so what does one do with that once they've graduated? Obviously become a dinosaur Yeah, or you just put it on your wall
0: and look at it and tell everyone as a dinosaur that you have a master's degree <laughs> That's about it. But, but seriously though like the people you went to school with what what, what are their plans? Um, well, you know the, I was in the history department and We consider most most of the history department are sickos weirdos and freaks. I like to say alternative lifestyle Um, but they become professors or they go into law or they go off to get a PhD. Uh, there wasn't many people studying medieval and there's not a lot of medieval, um, there's not a lot of good medieval programs and definitely not in Los Angeles. I was very lucky to find a great medievalist, uh, Dr. Clementine Oliver, who who I worked with and I started working with her early on in my undergrad because I kind of knew what I wanted to study because I just found a book that I loved. And she helped me you know, learn to be a historian and, and ultimately write a thesis on stuff that happened in the 12th century, which is crazy. Do you watch TV shows now and go, that's not accurate at all? I, well, my brain cells have been fried from wrestling now with the concussions. <laughs> uh, but I was doing that for a while, yeah, for sure. I can always get the jeopardy of medieval questions right. It's slowly starting to fade, though, because it's been like 10 years. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, we specifically in the, the medieval program detest medieval times. Oh. Everyone's like, do you go to Medieval Times? Do you go to that thing? i mean, no. Medieval Times, first off, you're never allowed to call the Medieval period or the early modern period Medieval Times because that is a stereotype mm. of that whole era, and we hate that. Oh. Yes. So you've never been to Medieval Times? I have not been to a Renaissance Fair, Medieval Times, any
1: of that. And I'm imagining you never will. I mean, unless my girlfriend drags me through Okay. That thing, yeah. Is the Luchasaurus character 65 million years old? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Luchasaurus character is a very sarcastic guy, and I think because he's so out
0: there, he thinks he's sixty-five million years old. But you know, we haven't really broached how crazy we're going to take this character's uh, backstory. As of right now, I like to say that. Um, I also like to say that I'm two tons plus Jungle Boy when they announce our combined weight, <laughs> plus the master's degree, which has heavy too. Where does this? Where did this idea come from? Well, it didn't come from my brain exactly. Um, okay it just kind of molded over time organically, and I think that's why it works. Um, essentially, when I was in developmental in WWE, um, right before NXT kind of happened in the Performance Center, I was working with Dusty Rhodes, and Cody's dad, a lot on promos, and he was one of the few guys who really believed in me, because he, he saw this weird guy that had this master's degree, had an interesting look, and he didn't know what to place, or how to place it, and he knew there was, some, there was something like this luchasaurus in his head, we just couldn't put our finger on it, and every week we try something, and, when I got to Lucha Underground, they decided to. At the day I started, they're like, "Here, we got this character for you—a giant snake with this big helmet mask." And I'm like, "What the hell?" And I'm talking to my buddy uh, Johnny Mundo, John Hennigan. He's Johnny,
1: multiple names,
0: everything, right? Yeah, because yeah. he's been a close friend of mine since before he even started wrestling. And he's like, "Hey, man, you know, just run with it, see what you can do. Maybe make it like Kane, cut up the mask." So before I went out there, I asked him if I cut my hair out. So we started to cut it up a little bit, and then when I went out there, the crowd just started chanting something to me, and I thought they were making fun of me. I thought they were saying, you just started, because I I looked green or something, and I hadn't wrestled in two years, so I was all, oh man, they hated me. And then I got to the back, and they're like, dude, they were chanting Luchasaurus. I don't know why, but that's pretty cool. You should just run with that on the indies, since you're trying to resurrect your career. I was like, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to do that. It's crazy, and it made me think of Dusty right away, because he wanted me to do something like that, but I was like, you know what, I'm not going to talk. Like I'm a dinosaur grunting, I'm just gonna be myself with the master's degree, but now I have a mask. So all those rough edges are kind of smoothed out because I have some crazy character yeah. that lets me really just be myself. Yeah. So it's almost like an ode to dusty for me, really. And I just started to run with it, and it was hard at first because everyone looks at it as, oh, this is a stupid gimmick. It must be some guy from the middle of Mexico that just, you know, walks around and is really big. So it took me a while to kind of knock down the doors and have people give me opportunities and let me create the character as I go throughout my indie
1: career. Right. Yeah. Well, I I mean, if anyone saw you on Big Brother, you're not a bad looking guy. So, Uh, them putting you in a mask though, a lot of people could look at that as being a really bad
0: thing. I thought it was. uh, And I was like, you know what, but I didn't think I was ever gonna wrestle again. After I had left developmental, it was 2013, 14, that time, indies hadn't really boomed yet, they were about to. And it just seemed like if you're not in WWE, there's nowhere else to really go. Mm. At least that was the mentality of a lot of us down there, so we were all pretty scared of losing our jobs. And I decided to walk away, and I thought with my injuries, and they weren't really healing the way I wanted to, I was like, this is probably it for me. So I had stopped wrestling. So just the fact that Lucha Underground gave me a shot after doing the reality show that I went and did, I was like, this is a second chance. I know what I want in life. I'm just going to go for it. And I'm not going to be too picky about it. I'm not going to say, well, this isn't cool. I'm not gonna have an ego. Yeah. I'm just gonna kind of go with it. I'll take any criticism I get. And I'm just gonna have fun.
1: Let's dive into that injury yeah. though,
0: because it was pretty bad. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things online about the injury, what it was and what it wasn't. So I can set the record straight. Um, basically, the main injury I had was a torn hip labrum. A lot of people say it was my back. That came kind of later. Um, so I got to developmental, and I was already having some kind of issues after the first few weeks of training. It was pretty brutal. The training was like, wow, you know, they're 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 drilling us hard out there. Plus, you know, we're weightlifting. Plus, I do gymnastics and parkour. All of that added up, and then, you know, I just felt like something tearing in my hip, but I just kind of worked through it for the next six months, and slowly, like, I was just feeling like I was getting worse in the ring. Not to mention all the pressures of, you know, trying not to lose your job, and I was, you know, I was in a terrible place mentally about it, and finally, you know, I had them check it out, and they saw that I had torn, um, kind of something in my abs was torn, so they fixed that, it didn't solve the problem. They went back in, they fixed my hip, They had to shave down the femur and the hip socket to make it work. I was on crutches for like three months. Um, I went back to LA to rehab because they were moving to Orlando and I couldn't physically move. So now I'm in LA rehabbing. It's been six months. It's been nine months. Pretty soon it's been a year. I'm in LA still under contract rehabbing. And I'm like, what's going on here? And they're like, you know, maybe because it's just not getting to the full level where they need to clear me. So maybe you you should think about retiring. And before I even could really think of that. That's when I got the opportunity to do Big Brother. And I was like, hey, let me get out of the contract. Let me do this instead. Yeah. They're like, okay. So we just kind of went our separate ways, not really knowing what was going to happen with my physical well-being. At the same time, I went and saw a doctor and found out I had a major herniated disc in my low back that maybe was referring to the pain to my hip that was keeping my hip from healing because there's nerves that go in there. So it was very complicated. But then, you know, the herniated disc came after I was down there, so they weren't really liable to fix it um, or they couldn't really prove it. We didn't know when it happened. Mm. Uh, So I just kind of decided to rehab that on my own. I started to get into rehab with athletes. I used my master's degree to go get a certification to work in physical therapy, actually. And I thought I was starting a new career path doing that. And um, lo and behold, things just kind of turned around. My body healed, and I was able to kind of get back into wrestling.
1: So if you hadn't got injured, you might have stayed in NXT, and then who knows? I was right there with
0: um, The Shield. Uh, They went up like six months after I got there. Uh, Baron Corbin... Uh, was Mojo Raleigh. Those guys were in my class, mm-hmm. so I would have probably been, you know, either fired or on the road. You know, that's how it worked back then. You one or the other um, with those guys. So I might have been up there with Baron Corbin, just and I would never. I feel like I never would have got very good. Uh, I think I would have peaked at a much lower level than I. I see, I'm not not that I got a big ego or anything, but I think that I was able to make some different strides in the ring and change. The way I wrestled completely because I had freedom on the Indies. Yeah. And if I didn't do that, I don't think I would be happy or
1: be comfortable in the ring like I am now. So it was really Lucha Underground that created this character and then you kind of just took it from there. Yeah, I decided,
0: you know what, they're gonna they gave me this template as this giant snake monster from, <laughs> you know, the wherever the reptile tribe. And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna see I'm gonna start playing with the character with elements of my own personality. That's where the master's degree comes in. I changed the look of the character. I changed the mask. I went and got my own kind of masks made that kind of fit my personality more. There's a lot of like little, you know, secret tributes like Conan the Barbarian and movies that inspired me as a kid. And then the character kind of, I want to move like Reptile in Mortal Kombat. So my offense is very much like Taekwondo meets gymnastics. Do you realize that you probably scare a lot of children? (laughs) Actually, they seem to love me. I don't know. Kids always come up to me and like want me to put them on my shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Which means I got to constantly keep the back warm though, you know, but, uh, that's, there's going to come a point where the AEW lawyers are like, Hey man, please don't 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 get hurt. Exactly. Yeah. So, but until then, yeah, they they seem to be not afraid of me. I guess I'm like, you know, the alter ego of Barney or something. (laughs) So this is a custom mask. This is a custom mask, yes. Composite Effects makes my masks, um, and I think we're going to start working with them to actually make a Luchasaurus mask or something. They want to do that. They oh, want to wow. put it out there. So that's something that's going to be in the works, I think, with them. Um, so you can buy maybe your own Luchasaurus mask. They're kind of expensive, though.
1: But, made out of silicone. But if they made, like, a plastic version of the mask. That's different. Purpose, yeah, yeah. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, yeah. This is This is going to be a thing. I hope you realize that. Well, that's why we're wearing it today. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't going to wear it during the interview. Yeah. I'd be like, well, maybe I should. I'm like, eh, maybe I should. Yeah, we went, we went back and forth quite a bit Yeah, about like, what, should you wear it? Shouldn't you wear it? I don't know. We're—it's With AEW, it's very exciting because it's all so new. It's also new. There's really no, I asked too before we did the interview. And they're like, yeah, whatever you want. Which is so, great. That's by like, the way, I do a awesome lot problem. of wrestling interviews. Yeah. That would never happen for another company. I remember those days. Yeah. You just don't ask. You ask for uh, forgiveness, not permission. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's it's one show in. There's obviously so much excitement around AEW. What's changed for you over the last handful of months? Uh, just,
0: you know, I'm kind of doing the same thing I've been doing, mm-hmm. but now all of a sudden there's a lot of eyes on me that weren't there. So I'm getting a lot of feedback that I wasn't getting before. And, you know, it's tough when you're when you're constantly, you know, trying and you're not getting the feedback you want. Sometimes you want to give it up. There was a lot of times I thought maybe I should just dish this gimmick and be a normal guy because normal guys seem to be able to get over in different territories around the country and all the indies. Uh, so, but I talked to my friends, uh, Trent, who's an AW, he was big on me keeping this this mask. He's like, this is your look, man. I don't know if you keep the name Luchasaurus or not. Once you get there, we'll see what they like. But he's like, this is the look. And he's right, and I think this finally worked. And when I came out at Double or Nothing, it just, the crowd just gravitated to oh, yeah. it. And it could've gone either way, I thought. It could've been like, oh, this is ridiculous. And I think some people still think that before they see me, but I if they give it a chance, people are usually like, "No, I, this is this is cool." I don't know why it's cool, but it's for some <laughs> reason it's cool. Were there big men that you looked up to in wrestling growing up? Oh, um I wasn't really into the I was into the high flyers Okay. More oh, okay. Because I love gymnastics and I always wanted to do all that kind of stuff. Um I just say this cuz people don't realize how big you are. Yeah, you're big. Yeah, 6'5? Six, 6'5. Five? Six, five, yeah, I'm like, you know, If anyone I look up to like today, pure wise, like I would study like Drew McIntyre a lot, uh, what he did in the Indies and then going back to WWE because he was like a real good template for me on how to move as a big man that's current. Mm. Uh, So I love, uh, and I I knew him as a uh, person too when I was down there and he's a really nice guy. Uh, So so that's someone current I looked up to. As a kid though, my favorite was Bret Hart actually. I was a huge, he got me, Ultimate Warrior was the kind of thing that turned me on to wrestling at seven years old because it was flashy and it looked like Conan the Barbarian. I was like, whoa, I need to see this. And I didn't have an older brother or anything, so I had to find all this on my own. And I was very persistent on finding all the pay-per-views. My dad let me get them. But then Baltimore kind of left at that time, the new generation started, and. Bret Hart was my guy. Like, he was my hero. And but I would, you know, do anything to see a Bret Hart match. And I finally met him at Double or Nothing, which was like my own, my, my first fan moment in years. Right. Which, you yeah, know, was great.
1: So then after Bret Hart left WWE, went to WCW, who were the people you gravitated to? Um, that's, you know, that's where the Attitude Era happened. I love the NWO.
0: Um, I was always into the bad guys. I was like a fan of, you know, anything not squeaky clean. I like things that are rough edges. Um, and I, I started to love in the, after 2000s, Into the next decade, I was a big fan of Edge, and the Radar Superstar gimmick was probably what got me back into wrestling, really hardcore. I never went away from it, but I, when I got into school, I got into like basketball in high school, even though I was homeschooled, which is a whole other story. Uh, I just got into other sports, and I watched wrestling, but I wasn't like you know as hooked as I was when Bret Hart was around. But guys like Edge kind of brought me back into the fold. Like, oh, this is a really cool character. Yeah. And I love what's going on here.
1: Well, since you touched on we have to talk about you being homeschooled. Like, yes. What, everyone has a different reason. Yeah. What was your parents' reason? Well, it wasn't my
0: parents'. It was my choice. And oh, okay. My parents have always been very open. I'm the oldest of six. I have four sisters and a brother. And my parents are very close. And our whole family is really close. But my mom is very open-minded about education and about exploring who we are as people. And I was never really given rules other than you know how to conduct yourself socially and to be a nice person. But they let me kind of make my own decisions, especially when it came to education. And I hated school. I hated classrooms, bells, being told what to do. Mm -hmm. Since I was a little kid, I could never be told no to things. I always wanted to question everything. And I just felt suffocated uh in those environments. And you know, kids picked on me a lot when I was in junior high. So I was one of those kids that was bullied as most kids are. And I just hated it, and I just wanted to do my own thing. I was really into working out, believe it or not, already. Like, at 13 years old, I started to train on my own. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was doing it. And I just liked to study what I wanted to study, and most of it was reading history books and things like that from an early age and writing my own stories. And I just wanted to do that on my own and kind of be left alone. And, you know, socially, when I got to the college years, I was like freaking Jungle Boy's character. You know, I was like, oh, what's going on here? I am not to talk to a girl. Uh, but... Mentally, I was way ahead of the other students, and I was really good at getting all my work done. And I took school really seriously, and it really helped shape my my mind to be kind of I think more open than a lot of structured minds are from high school. Huh? So did
1: that when you went into college? Do you think that that also gave you an advantage? Um,
0: absolutely, yeah. Because it, it it set me on a course where like a lot of other kids would procrastinate and were had trouble interpreting and analyzing things. They were very good at memorizing things as you learn in high school just to like write in multiple choice questions but i always had mine that was a little bit more open to to ideas and i think that's why my professors gravitated to me as well and saw wow this guy has some potential to actually write some interesting history here
1: well the crazy thing about college is professors gravitate to people who like actually try yes because i went to college i majored in drinking for a while and also (laughs) communication (laughs) studies but yeah. like most of the people are going to class hung over and like you know handing in assignments at the last second. Exactly. So when you're actually putting in work, they're like, oh my God, this guy tries.
0: I was really aggressive with it too. I have a good, my personality can be very OCD, I guess, or passion. I like to say passionate. <laughs> sure. And if I decide to do something, I'm going to do it till I get it done. And I said, I'm going to go to school. I had like an epiphany. I'm going to, be a history major. I'm gonna go into the grad program, and I'm gonna write a thesis on this Arthurian romance literature. And I decided that in my undergrad, like the first year, and my friends are like, "You're you're crazy. Go do something else." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I'm gonna do this, and I have no end game. I'm just gonna do it because <laughs> I like it." And that was it. Wow. Yeah. What, what did you want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to be a wrestler. Okay. From the time I was seven, I told everyone I'm gonna be a wrestler. And, and look at like, you now. I know, so, yeah. I'm somewhat of a wrestler, right? Uh the <laughs> team, you, man, you are a wrestler. Oh, thank you. Jeez. Of course. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, you believe in me. Uh, the teachers would tell me oh, not yes. to though, my, my you know, my, my relatives was, oh, you know, get into wrestling for the business side of it, you know, do something smart. I'm like, no, I'm gonna be a wrestler, that's what I want to do. And I even was saying that into my grad program and eventually it came to a point where I'm like, I gotta get into a wrestling school. And I kind of realized that like in the gradu- graduate program, I'm like I better start doing this if I'm gonna do it. So, and I didn't, but there was like back, even then it was like 2010, 2009, right? And you just don't, there wasn't like readily available schools that you could choose from. I didn't know how you get into wrestling. I never really crossed my mind. Yeah. Or I, really, I probably would've gotten into it earlier. How did you get into it then? I was at the gym and a friend of mine said, hey, my friend does a wrestling school, this guy named Rick Drazen, who was like a bodybuilder wrestler in the eighties. And it was right by my house. He's like, you should just go check it out, man. You always talk, we always talk in wrestling in here. I'm like, you're right, I'll go check it out. So I went and checked it out and it looked cool. And that's where I met Jungle Boy. This is 2009 when he a little kid. Oh my God. We started like the same week. He
1: would have been like 11 years old.
0: Yeah, we started the same week and there's actually a picture of us in the ring that we're gonna tweet up pretty soon um, that we found from then that we're gonna do a comparison photo. And we look, you know, totally different obviously. It was pretty funny, but he's like above me in the ring so it's kind of close to my shoulders. Uh, but we started at the same time, and we used to have matches together, like, we were horrible. Uh, at least I was. He always kind of had some natural talent. Um, but uh, it was funny how this all kind of comes together.
1: And when did it come together for you and Jungle Boy to kind of be teamed together? We never thought of, you know,
0: we kept crossing paths. Like, we, when I got into Lucha, he was doing Lucha training too, and we kind of met some of the classes again. Um, and it finally happened at Bar Wrestling for Joey Ryan. Like, Joey, Joey said, hey, I want to put you and Jungle Boy together as a team, because I was trying to get Jungle Boy there to wrestle him. And then I was like, wait a minute, you're right. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, that sounds like a good combo. Yeah. So he put us together as a team. We came out to the ring. I said, like, why don't you come out on my shoulder or something? Let's do something like where it's together. And the crowd's reaction, there's a lot of hardcore fans there that don't give you good reactions Mm. just on purpose, right? That's just, they're part of the show in their minds. and, which, you know, they were part of the show, I guess. But uh, they, they all were smiling. Like, like you're watching a Disney movie, like the inner child in them came out. Like, they couldn't help but smile. Like, people yeah. that never smile are smiling <laughs> just seeing this. And we couldn't believe the reaction we were getting. But it was just like, the story was just there. Without us having to give any backstory. All of a sudden, our characters who were kind of out there on their own, that need backstory to make sense, didn't need it. Yeah. As soon as you put us together, the story was complete. Yeah. And everyone just got it. Yeah. And it's the boy riding the dinosaur, the misunderstood monster, with the boy who's... Doesn't see the bad, doesn't see judgment because he's just a boy coming out
1: of the jungle. It just works. But there's such a juxtaposition between yeah. this look and the degree that hangs on your wall. I suppose so, right? <laughs> but that's the absurdity
0: of it. And like, I consider myself uh, an existentialist, and uh, my favorite philosophy is like kind of 1950s absurdism existentialism, where you have like authors like Albert Camus or Simone de Beauvoir talking about how there's a there's a there's a mind there's a world and then there's our interpretation of it and yes. we try to everything we do is really absurd but you can still do it cuz it's all about rebelling against what you should do and the religious source is almost a, almost that it's an act of rebellion it's I'm putting on a mask to kind of be my true self which is uh, a major juxtaposition and it's it's something that allows me to connect to something deeper inside of me that I never thought I'd find and performance so it's kind of just worked to kind of fulfill who i already felt i was but didn't know how to express it mm. yeah
1: wow we were really deep there us i second. guess so i like i that. go deeper wow okay, okay. It's a <laughs> <kid show. Sorry. laughs> who, who was it that reached out to you from aew uh originally
0: it was cody uh cody cody reached out me. I, I had a discussion with the young bucks at bar wrestling And then the next thing you know, I had Cody uh, reached out to me on on, uh, my messages saying, hey man, are you signed anywhere else? Because they thought I was signed with Ring of Honor. It was out there on my Wikipedia for some reason. And I never signed with them. I did some matches, but we never got to contract negotiations. And I was probably going to just keep coming back here and there. Uh, And I was like, no, I'm not signed. Like, well, we want to bring you into Double or Nothing and, you know, don't sign anywhere else. So it was really cool that Cody kind of reached out like that because I I felt like this character was kind of his dad's, idea for me somehow that we never got to so it was like a special moment for me
1: mm. yeah and,
0: and then how long ago was that that was probably march okay yeah so it was march they reached out uh, i remember i was talking to trent uh texting because i text him bug him all day usually and he's across the country from me but he was riding somewhere with the bucks and i was like hey ring says they're not going to probably sign me anytime soon so i shouldn't like be hoping on that you know go do whatever else i wanted to do and as soon as i told him that he was in the car with the Bucks said hey luchasaurus isn't signed so they're like, "Oh shit!" They, right away, they got a hold of that info, and um, so trying to help me too by just mentioning it to them. Wow! So, yeah, because yeah, everyone thought I was signed, so they weren't really considering me. I, I talked to Jericho, and he said, "Yeah, I kind of pitched you," but they went, "Oh, he's signed." So uh, I would, maybe would have got signed a lot earlier. I think it worked out because I kind of got signed after Double or Nothing, and it gave me momentum because people saw who I was at Double or Nothing.
1: Yeah. Well, and when people saw you at Double or Nothing, they realized how gigantic you are. Yeah. You're, I guess. The biggest guy in AEW. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what
0: they were telling me there. They said, we don't really have a big guy yet signed, and we're looking for one. And I'm like, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I could try to do that. I think I'm kind of big. I mean, I wasn't big in the sense of the old school style. Like, I'd be a normal size guy. Jericho was talking about all the guys he would wrestle back in, you know, the 90s. And it's like, I wouldn't be a big man. Mm, it's true. But... Now I am, yeah. it's a different era. Which is cool because you know I, I've kind of learned to adapt the Luchasaurus to being a big man. And at first, you know, because I wanted to do all the flips and the kicks and just wrestle like the other guys that are you know smaller. And I realized, well, that doesn't really help me or help anyone. It doesn't make sense for the Luchasaurus to be doing that. So I've learned over time, working guys who are really good, a lot of matches at bar wrestling with guys who are really good on the indies that helped me because Joey let me wrestle there every month as I was figuring this out. Uh, so that all really played into it. It was that time on the Indies that let me kind of get to a point where I think I can now go on TV with this character and do what the TV guys want me to do and what the fans want me to do. And
1: you, you giving that choke slam to Joey Janela, yeah. Put put you over huge, also put Joey over huge. Well, could have put him in the hospital. <laughs> Seriously, is that how it was supposed to go? Well, of course, it never
0: goes the way it's supposed to go, right? Like the 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 ring was bigger than we expected, the from the ropes to the apron is wider than a normal ring. So as we were doing the show, so we kind of realized oh, I gotta kind of push him out more. And he just, it's almost like he just wanted it to go that way. Cause I was trying to you know, keep it as flat as possible when I, when I dropped it, but I saw that he was tipping and he didn't try to resist it. I was like, here we go. And I looked and I was trying to go, oh my God, are you okay? So when the camera for a second pans at me, my head's down. And then I looked up at the camera, but I was like at first scared. And then he was fine. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! This is what he wanted, this is what I wanted out of it. It was a good moment that gets replayed. And if it was just a normal bump on that table, it would have been cool for a second and be yeah. really talking about it. But it, it worked out for both of us. He got his moment, I got mine. So and the way he sold it, it folded up like that. Yeah, it's that's only Joey Janela. That's, that's what Joey Janela does exactly. So it, it was the perfect combo for me to really go. Oh, now people are noticing me all of a sudden. Now the
1: Luchasaurus chants are starting. Yes. thank you, Joey. And as we sit here right now, Fighter Fest is a few hours away, Joey Janela might be doing other crazy stuff that we're talking about. And that's,
0: uh, <laughs> that's the fear, right? He's, he, I think he wants to die in the ring, <laughs> which I know it sounds like the glory thing on paper, but please, Joey, don't do it.
1: Yeah, please, Joey, don't do that. Yeah. When you uh, first got signed with AEW, what, did they tell you, all right, you're going to be at Double or Nothing, you're going to be in the Battle Royale? They told me, yeah, hey, well, before I got signed, they were like, hey, do you want a
0: spot at the Battle Royal? That's, that was the first conversation. And I was like, yes, definitely I want a spot. And then I was doing a few things with Impact. They like, hey, don't sign with, uh, like they told me, don't sign anywhere else before you talk to us. Like, we really want to use you even after that. I was like, okay, this is cool. Okay, so now I know it's not just a one-off, maybe we're actually doing something. So I was just preparing for that uh, weekend. So I was just focused
1: on that weekend. I wanted to have a good performance no matter what they asked of me. It's It's such an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, but, you're on the inside of this. How does it feel yep. being a wrestler in this world?
0: Uh, I, I definitely feel pretty fortunate because it's the right time to be doing this. Like, the character for me wasn't ready two years ago. Well, wasn't definitely ready five years ago. But it seems like it all is kind of coming together for me personally and professionally at the same time. And it took me, you know, i 34 years old. It took me this long to kind of figure out not only who I am, but who I am as a performer. And it's the right time in wrestling to be doing that. So I'm pretty excited about it. I'm also pretty focused on it. And I feel like, you know, I don't feel like a kid in awe. I feel like something that's ready to actually be a part of something big and put in performances that are important Mm. for a company that needs people to to deliver.
1: Did you think that being on Big Brother was gonna help or hurt you in your wrestling career?
0: I was thinking, at that point, I thought it could only help because any exposure at that point was good because I was dead, like, you know, my character was dead. I never really got to do a character in WWE. I was leaving WWE. I had no prospects. So I said, this is like my last chance to see if anything comes of this. You know, there's like, they get like eight to 10 million people watching a week on that show. So I said, okay, I'm going to try to do my Judas thing. I didn't really know what it was yet, but I'm just going to try to do it in this environment. Yeah. And that environment was very difficult to navigate because I, he didn't realize until he got in there. Oh yeah, this is not just fun. People are competing for money. Yeah. So it's a pretty ruthless environment. And then I got wrapped up in that world and uh, I didn't
1: really think about anything else for a while. Did you find out quickly that Big Brother fans are pretty crazy, like wrestling fans? Yeah, it's a different <laughs> level of crazy. Uh, they're very passionate
0: about it. They're watching you in that house, a lot of them, 24 hours a day. And you, you know, they, 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 they log in, and I used to do it when I was a kid because I was a real big fan of the show when I was younger. And you can watch those live feeds and get addicted to it. Oh, and, yeah. And it's, it's something else, and they feel like they know everything about you. And, but the funny thing is, is that even when you got a camera on someone and you think you're getting the full picture, you're not because it's still one perspective. And it's, mm. it, it, that's the thing about any kind of this thing about history, about anything that's recorded, it's never the full picture, no matter what you think it is. And also when there's cameras on you, no matter how much you think you're being yourself, you really aren't, and you don't realize that till much later. And yeah. then I kind of did a few months after the show and you get go through it. I did, I went through a depression afterwards and that really helped me kind of confront things about myself that were immature that I hadn't really fixed yet that I wanted to fix about myself. And ultimately it was a very good learning experience for me to kind of reach a point where, okay, I'm comfortable with who I am. Was the depression from seeing yourself on camera and realizing things you didn't like? I didn't really go back and watch it too closely to get to that. And I was okay with um, how I looked on camera. It was more about, kind of me as a person and where I was in life. And like, I, I went through a whole thing on the show. I, I got right into it. I was in the final five. I was in a showmance with one of the girls. And afterwards, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a career in wrestling. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was trying to ride a wave of this this fame you get from reality TV that's not really uh, money producing and i was trying to make the relationship work but we were two completely different people and yet it seemed like we were very close because we were in the house in that context when there was no money no power and you're just living in this utopia we were uh close but when you get into the real world you realized oh wait a minute i don't really know who she is she doesn't really know who i am and it kind of fell apart a few months later and i remember just feeling like i was at a low like i did that relationship was gone my time with big brother was now faded completely i wasn't in wrestling um I was kind of doing this personal training thing, working with athletes, but I wasn't too passionate about it. Like, where am I going in life? You know, and I remember driving home from Vegas after, you know, seeing some friends and I was by myself. I was single, alone, money is dwindling, and I drove to John Hennigan's house. And he had just got a ring in his backyard and said, hey, man, let's just get back to training. And, wow. it just, and then two weeks later, I got the call from Joey Ryan to go do extra thing for Lucha Underground they signed me. Wow. So it just kind of fell into place. And at that point, because I had reached that low, I was ready. And I was ready to, you know, commit to wrestling 100%. And that was it. I was going to dive in. In the next couple of years, I went under, you know, I went to the basement. Right. I went, I went underground and I was studying and I was training. And it was nothing was going to stop me because I needed to catch up and get to a level. And it, it took me a while to figure it out. I I didn't you know the guys were so ahead of me because they've been I missed a couple years But I just put myself in a situation where if I if I work hard
1: enough at this I could do it Do you look ahead and go all right, I need to change these things or do these things to get to other goals that I have set for myself? Um, At this point, it's more like, you know
0: every match is a chance to study myself and critically analyze little nuanced things that I don't like and um, talk to other wrestlers who I respect and get their input. Because every match you has a chance for you to grow as a performer. And um, I don't think I'll ever be at the level where I'm completely content because I want to always get better. So it's more for me at this point, it's a matter of I I really like what I'm doing now. It's a matter of being challenged by some of the guys that wrestle for AEW that are really good. Seeing how they put matches together with me, and I think that'll be the next step in my my maturation process. Do you still have people that are
1: recognizing you as Austin from Big Brother? Oh, all
0: the time. Yeah, yeah when the mask isn't on and I'm going through like airports or anywhere where there people go on tr- go to travel, a lot of people from the Midwest will always recognize because it's very big in the Midwest. Well,
1: it's so, I, look, I, I just moved from Cleveland to Florida. Yeah. I know what it's like. Yes. watch TV in the winter.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I get, I, yeah, I got recognized at the airport yesterday a couple times, uh, and it's it's
1: starting to be. They're starting to get a few the Legosaurus recognitions as well. Finally, I'm like, okay, now that's well, what I want. As soon as you guys start on television in the fall, yeah, it's going to be a complete reversal of that. Well, then I'll start wearing the airport <laughs> in, the, in the mask at the airport. And, you know, now they're all going to have to. You wear the
0: mask at the airport. You might have other problems. That's that's true. Imagine if I didn't. Imagine if they finally just, you know,
1: I got it on the idea and everything. Well, <laughs> will just show the master's degree. It's fine. <laughs> when I tweeted out that I was going to interview you, uh, you retweeted it. Thank you for that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And then we got a barrage of very silly questions. Um, okay. Like, uh, what's your favorite dinosaur? I, I did see that question. I
0: was trying to think of how to answer that. Um, Cause I was gonna say I don't know what my favorite dinosaur is, but I, w- I wanted to say that Barney was my least favorite dinosaur. Just because he stereotyped dinosaurs as this kind of like squeaky clean image mm. of like you know, I know he's educational, like and I'm supposed to be educational, but like there's no flaws, there's no layers to that guy, and I just want to see more layers. <laughs> so it just it just bothered me as a kid. What obviously. about uh, Barney's friend uh, Baby Bob?
1: Baby Bob, yeah.
0: That was probably even worse because Barney's educating <laughs> Baby Bob to just be another Barney so I think the whole show is kind of messed up I think kids need to see a little bit rougher images
1: alright well there we go that, that's Luciosaurus, yep. least favorite dinosaur yeah <laughs> maybe one of the Jurassic Park dinosaurs I don't know what like a raptor yeah they're cool Tyrannosaurus Tyrannosaurus the one that make the roars Ankylosaurus you know more about dinosaurs than I do Stegosaurus Brachiosaurus damn uh, uh, Triceratops I studied the medieval period okay <laughs> who is your favorite um, historical uh, character
0: Oh, well, that's uh, easy for me. It would be uh, Lancelot or Parcival. Lancelot was the knight who followed his heart over his head, going after the married Guinevere. Uh, And that's a very interesting story that I actually wrote about in my thesis. And he ended up in prison because of it, but it was all about society kind of getting away from the norms and what you're supposed to do and kind of following your intuition and your passion. So I always identified with that character. And then Parceval was the boy raised in the forest who didn't understand society and had to figure it out on his own and had this higher destiny, kind of like, I feel like what the jungle boy character is mm. so um those are my two kind of characters that kind of guided me for a lot of years and it's something that i feel like we're almost playing out now mm. uh, for aew which is cool
1: i like that you came with the green tongue yeah you're it's right. sticking out for us yeah it's oh, still green. oh yeah it's, okay. it's, even right. after talking this whole time Damn, it's still it's green. Holding up. wow i like that sure. i don't know if we want to reveal how you did that but it was very impressive it was a very complex process yeah no, we'll, we'll, keep, <laughs> we'll keep that secret okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know if you can see the shifty eyes there but yeah right yeah all the comments are going to be like, how do you do it? How do you get the green tongue? Yeah. Uh, it's such a pleasure to sit down with you. Thank you so much for making this happen. Hey, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Right. I can't, yeah. I can't believe I interviewed a dinosaur. You did?
0: Yeah. That's me. I'm
1: a dinosaur. Well, there you go. And Yeah, he's a dinosaur. Isn't it great that it was Dusty Rhodes that came up with the original idea for the Luchasaurus character, now he's working for Cody Rhodes. Just coming full circle here. Also, there's some, there's some real heat there with Barney the Dinosaur. We gotta make that happen. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Thank you to our sponsors, Green Roads. Go to greenroadsworld.com. Use the code Chris fifteen. That's my name with the number 15 after it, to save 15% off your CBD products. Also, Samson Technologies, go to samsontech.com for their podcasting equipment. Who else is excited to see what happens from here on out with Luchasaurus? Yeah, I know I am. Uh, If you enjoyed this chat, I hope you did. Please leave a five-star review and subscribe, that five-star review, if it's a good one. Like, make it super original and fun and funny. I'll read it here on the podcast. Uh, And subscribe so you can be notified of my upcoming interviews. Upcoming interviews like the one I'm doing this weekend with the Young Bucks. Can't wait for that. Have a great day. Woo! We said it earlier, so we should woo again, right?